We have started a series called We Need a Savior. And, you know, when we realize that, when that's on the forefront of our mind and our heart and our attitude, we're able to see those thank you Jesus moments so much easier, so much more with clarity. Uh, this week, Charles is with us. That's a thank you Jesus moment. Mike is here with us. That's a thank you Jesus Sharon has had a thank you Jesus moment. If you look, there are thank you Jesus all over your life because you know deep down, and people do know this, deep down inside they need a, they need a Savior. Am I right? We need a Savior. Now Moses, we left him. Right now he is gun shy and he is frustrated. He is hesitant, he is wary, he is distrustful because he's been here before, remember? He has failed before in his life and it seems as if this nightmare of people rejecting his leadership just keeps happening over and over again. He went to Pharaoh just like God asked him to. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not letting your people go. In fact, he, Pharaoh, has made life more miserable, more intolerable, more filled with injustice to the Israelites, to the Hebrews. He's now, Pharaoh and his underlings are now beating the Israelites for not working fast enough because they don't get the straw, they still have to make the same number of bricks, and he accuses them of being lazy that they want a holy day. If you remember how holiday got its name, a holy day unto the Lord out in the wilderness. He's frustrated, he's confused, and he's not well liked by his brothers right now. People don't want his leadership. He didn't ask for this job, remember? God came to him, and we left him off in chapter 5 with Moses blaming God for Pharaoh's sin. Moses is accusing God of doing evil and going up to God and saying, you aren't keeping your promises. Now, before we throw Moses under the bus, we've all bought a ticket on that bus, haven't we? You need to admit, you need to admit that you've been angry before at God. You've been hurt by God. You've been mad at God. You've been disappointed by God. You've been frustrated with God before because, and here's the why, because things did not turn out the way you thought they were going to turn out. And here it is. You begin to doubt. You begin to doubt his goodness or maybe you begin to doubt his power, or maybe you begin to doubt his plan. So this is the context of verse 1, chapter 6 of Exodus. Have your Bibles turn to Exodus chapter 6. We're going to pick it up at verse 1. That's the background. That's the context. We left Moses in a world of heap, blaming God and being frustrated. But notice, before we read the verse, how gentle God's going to be with Moses. Look what it says. But the Lord, he's just been accused of not keeping his promises. He's just been accused of doing evil. And God says to Moses, Now, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, 
For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his hands. He's, God is going to use his mighty hands, and it's said twice, so this is going to happen quickly. It is going to happen now. That's pretty awesome. But you know, I overlook this word that started the sentence for God. It's the word now. No more delays. Now. In God's perfect timing. Now. See, God does not move according to your human wisdom. God does not move according to what you want. God's going to move on His promises according to His timing. He says, now is the time. In fact, that's the very first little plank. The time has come to fulfill my promises. The next slide, the very first fill in the blank is, the time has come to fulfill my promises. Now, God's been working at this for a long time. 400 years ago, he met with Abraham, and he said, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you this land. But rest assured, for 400 years, your descendants are going to be enslaved in this foreign land, but I will show up and deliver them. It's all about God's timing. Rushing ahead of God is like eating a half-baked cake. I don't know if you like raw cookie dough. I do. I'll eat raw. My mom used to whip up raw eggs with milk and sugar and a little vanilla and Oh, we just gobbled it down. No, no thought of salmonella or any of that. So cookie dough is okay. I like rock uh, cake batter. I don't like cake batter that's half cooked. I don't know anybody that likes half baked cooked batter. Rushing ahead of God's timing is doing that. You're rushing ahead of what he has to do. God has his timing because God has his reasons. We may not be able to see those reasons, but when he says to Moses, he doesn't rebuke him, he's patient with him, Moses is complaining to him, and God understands Moses' heart like he understands your heart, and he says, now we're going to get down to business. Now is the time. Moses, Moses, we're setting up this incredible battle between the greatest civilization of mankind up till now and myself. And I'm going to show the world my power through this. And I'm going to show that the Pharaoh didn't do what was politically expedient to let this uprising people go. No, I'm going to give myself glory. That's why we've waited until this time. God's going to wait until he gets the glory. Now that's not egotistical. That is just who he is. He deserves all the glory. And his timing is always perfect. It's always perfect. Don't doubt me, Moses. I'm fulfilling my promise, but not according to your timetable. God is almost like saying, my promise, my timing. Right? Would you say that with me? My Instead of saying my as if it's you're the Lord, say his promise, his timing. Say it with me. His promise, his timing. 
He made the promise. It's up to him to do it, not us. We're not going to badger him into making his promise fulfilled. It's his promise. It's his timing. So let's go back to the text. Verse 2. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. That's what Lord means. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He's using his personal name. He is saying, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. And he says, I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I want to just make a comment. Just put the the D in front of the I. This is called a question. It's an interrogative. And some translations say, I did not reveal myself. But in Genesis, all throughout Genesis, God reveals himself and his name to the patriarchs. It should read, did I not reveal myself to Abraham? Did I not also establish my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land in which they lived as sojourners? Moreover, he says, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Now, promise is only as strong as the one making it, right? If I go to Isabella, if I go to a little child and I ask them for all the money in the world and they make a promise that they're going to give me all the money in the world, are they able to make good on that promise? No, they they can't. Is a stranger, if you come up and a stranger makes the promise that he's going to do something for you, can you rely on that promise? If you know him and if he know he has the power to do it, see, A promise is only as strong as the person promising it. So God is going to remind Moses who he is. Why? Why a history lesson? Catch this. We doubt because we forget who God is. We doubt that he can do what he says he can do. We forget about what he has done. God says, I am God Almighty. I found a barren old couple, and I made them have a child. And I took that child, and he got married, and I created a family. And from that family, I created a clan. And from that clan, I created a nation. I am Yahweh. He is shouting about who he is. He is the powerful one. And when he makes a promise, he can fulfill it. Why? Because he's God Almighty. Can you count the stars? That's how big your family is going to be, Abraham. So here's the second fill in the blank. He says, let me remind you, Moses, who is making the promise. Let me remind you who is making the promise. It's not a little girl named Isabella. It is God Almighty. He's making the promise. God's promises and and the power to fulfill them. 
It's his unbroken word. Do you realize God has never broken a promise? God has never broken a promise. Scripture says that when he speaks, his word does not return void. That means that whatever God says, it goes out into the universe, into the physical realm, spiritual realm, and accomplishes its work because that's how powerful God is. Man. But the cool thing is, is his unbroken word brings continuity to you. It brings clarity to you. It tells you where you come from your origin. It tells you who you are, your identity. It tells you what you're supposed to be about, your purpose. And it tells you where you are going, your destiny. See, God's unbroken word, his promise is full of power because he stands behind it. It's take something more than human power to move Pharaoh to let these people go. And it's going to take more than human power to transform your heart. Even AA says, I need a higher power. Of course, AA was founded by Christians, but they kind of made it just generic. You need the power of God Almighty in your life. Don't forget who God is. That's what Moses is being told. Don't forget who you're talking to. He is mighty to save. He has the power to back up his promises. He redeems. He restores. He refreshes. But I love that there's more to God than just promises that help erase doubt. Go, go back to verse 5 for a second. If you like to underline in your Bible, underline the, these three words. Moreover, here it is, I have heard. And then drop down and it says, I have remembered. What is that talking about? It's talking about his love for you. Man, in, in Ephesians, you can write this reference down. Ephesians chapter 3. Let me just... It's a prayer that Paul is, is praying. But it's worth hearing. He says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you strength with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and here it is, and to know the love of Jesus that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. We, we are in awe of God's mighty promises and the power he has to back it up. But he says, there's an element of me that's mean, missed here, and I have heard and I have remembered what you're going through. His promises, his timing. His promises, his power. Catch that. His power. 
Now let's go back to the text. Verse 6, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh. I don't know if, if you were Moses. If I was Moses, I think I would have been trembling a little bit because I think God raised his voice right there when he said, I am Almighty God. I back up my promises. We doubt because we don't know his promises. So we have to be reminded, we have to be in the Word. Now, for the Israelites and bondage, Moses is going to go and tell them, and he does, he goes tells them these, sevens, these seven I wills. It's, seven is such a biblical number. And he goes and he says, here are the seven I wills of God. I am Yahweh. And then you can easily see how we play into this passage. You and I today. He says, I will bring you out of Egypt. God says, I'll bring you out of this world. I will deliver you from slavery. God says, I will deliver you from sin. He says, I will redeem you with great power. He says, I will come into your life and transform your life. He says, I will take you as my people. God says, I have adopted you as my child. He says, I will be your God. Jesus says it best, I will be your life. He says, I will bring you into the land I promise. God says, I will resurrect you. And then he says, and I will give you the land. And God says, I will give you heaven. Praise God that these powerful seven promises are to us as well. And he ends with, I am Yahweh. Here's the fill in the blank. Here are my promises. Here are my promises. If you have not filled your heart, your mind, your soul with the promises of God, you've got nothing to stand on. And doubt will try to creep in again. And the best, the best illustration is not the best, but I, I want you to work with me on this one. The best illustration I can have is this one. And that is, you go to, to Walmart... And you buy a $100 piece of luggage. And you're happy. And you're walking out the door. The guy behind you is buying the same $100 piece of luggage, but he has a coupon. And his coupon says 50% off. And he gets to buy that luggage for how much? Do your math. 50 bucks. This guy could have used the coupon, but he wasn't aware of it. If you do not know the promises of God, how can you stand on them? 
How can you redeem what God has promised you in His timing and His power and His promise? If you don't know the promise, you're going to lose. He has promised His timing. His promise, His power. His promise, oh, my peace. My peace. You're going to be disappointed on what happens next, but maybe you won't. Look at verse 9. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel. He told them the seven I wills. But they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh, what does your text say? Slavery. The people are so utterly discouraged and broken, they can't see it. They can't hear it. They are too discouraged to hope. They're too discouraged to believe. I'm going to reference a movie. I hope you've read it. Uh, the book or seen the movie it's the Lord of the Rings have you seen okay some of you are yeah I have seen the Lord of the Rings do you remember when Frodo is at Mount Doom and he's got the ring and he's just so close to destroying the ring of power and he just collapses and Sam comes to him and says oh Mr. Frodo have hope don't you realize that it's springtime in the Shire? And do you remember what Frodo says? He says, I can't see it. I can't even have my memory of something good is gone from me. I cannot see it because of the heartache, because of the pain, because of the burden I carry. I can't see the Shire. Sometimes you're so broken in bondage, you can't see your way out. Bondage of sin, bondage of dysfunction, of stinking thinking, and you're trapped in your own ways. You're told that help is around the corner. Just hang on. But truthfully, doesn't that just sound or feel like salt in a wound? Doesn't it feel like just platitudes to just hang on when you can't see hope the Hebrews knew that Pharaoh is real the beatings they're real the burdens are real just like you can say my cancer is real Rob my heartache is real Rob my addiction is real my brokenness is real. My pain is real. My debt is real. My fear is real. Now here's the key. My problem feels more real than God's promises. Have you been there? Have you done that? My problems feel more real than God's promises. That's where they're at, and that's where some people today are at. They don't listen to Moses. Now let's pick it up. Verse 10. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me, how then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. We'll just stop there and, and give you the fill in the blank for number four. 
The people and Moses himself are too discouraged to hope and they're too discouraged to believe. The people didn't listen to Moses. And Moses isn't really listening to God. I feel like I'm not up to the task. I'm I'm uncircumcised-lipped. I am not your chosen vessel to go and present before Pharaoh. But I I want you to catch this. I want to pull back the camera and see what's really going on here. See, Pharaoh's strategy was to discredit Moses, right? Moses' word to the people. Better not listen to Moses, because every time you listen to Moses, what happens to you? You get in pain. You get in trouble. Satan's strategy is still the same. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to his promises. He wants to discredit God's word. He wants to discredit God's promises. He wants to sow doubt. That's what the enemy wants to do, is sow doubt. Now, consciously, we never say, Oh, I'm going to forget God's promises. But this is how Satan does it. It's when feelings drive faith. And that will drive your faith straight into a brick wall. Remember, the people didn't listen because their hearts were broken. Their spirit was broken. My problems feel more real than God's promises. In fact, uh, Chris, can you come up here? I'm going to ask you to just hold this up for me. Oh, wrong Chris. I had had pre-Christed him. Okay, yeah, perfect. Not that we don't want to see you. (laughs) This is a train. What's driving your train? What drives most people's train? This is how Satan gets you. You work off of feelings. And that's driving your train. And right here, the facts isn't necessarily truth. It's you've interpreted life through your wisdom, and these are your facts. And then they pull your faith When you allow feelings to pull your faith, you will always go towards your problems and you will always go towards or away from the Lord. That's that's that was Satan's strategy with with Pharaoh. Pharaoh made the burdens rough on the people and they felt like God wasn't listening to them. Was God listening to them? Absolutely. So how do we fix this? How do we stand on the promises of God? We remember who He is, what He's done, what He is doing, what He will do, and guess what? This gets changed. 
Faith is to pull your train. And this is truth, which is, by the way, the Word of God. How does faith get energized? How do you power the locomotive? This is the coal train. How does it work? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the words of Christ. And then come your feelings. This is how you stand on the promise of God. Your faith is energized by His promises in His Word. Who He is, what He's doing, what He will do, and what He's doing right now. And then your feelings will just come in tow. Do you know our world is now run by feelings? And it's a disaster. They've jettisoned the Word of God, and now they have no faith. And anytime anything happens, doubt arises. Thank you, Chris. When problems feel more real than God's promises, you're in the wrong train. Don't let your feelings of, about your circumstances cause you to doubt the mighty arm of God. There is no transformational power on the train of feelings, but there is incredible power through faith that will change you to become the woman and man that God has called you to be. So we have to finish up. Look at verse 13. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people out of the land of Egypt. God treats Moses like a whiny little kid, and he says, I want you, and here's the fill in the blank, get busy. Get busy. Eyes off self, eyes on me. Stop running your life by feelings and start running your life by faith in the Word of God, Jesus. There's a song that was introduced to me a few months ago, and it's called Waymaker. I don't know if you've heard the song, but it's a powerful song, but one of the lines says this in, in the chorus, even when I don't feel it, He's working. Even when I don't see it, He's working. Did you know that in John chapter 5, Jesus is being confronted by the Pharisees and He says, My Father is working right now and so am I. He's working when you don't see Him working. He's working when you don't feel He's working. Because He is Almighty God. And Moses just needed to be reminded. His promise, so it's His timing. His promise, so it's His power. His promise, but it's our peace. We fight doubt. Because doubt will come. And if you say, oh, I've never doubted, then you've probably 
have been one of those rare individuals that hopped on the train and never looked back. But Satan will try to discourage you and you come back to, don't forget who God is. Don't forget what He has done and do not ever forget what He says He will do because you serve a powerful God able to change your circumstances but most importantly change your life forever. Let me pray.